In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons. I'm going to edit that. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow and to take it to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. My next guest is a producer and live streamer whose journey has led him to create the DJ Sessions, a live streaming platform offering live sets from DJs around the world, spanning across many genres. He's also a podcaster and has some great insights to share that he's learned from his journey thus far. Let's welcome Darren Bruce to the show. Hey, Darren, how you doing, man? Welcome. Hi, Aubrey. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you, man. And it's great to have you here. So, so Darren, can you tell the listeners uh, about the, the DJ sessions, right? This platform and what inspired you to build this? Yeah, um, well, the DJ Sessions is a live stream podcast series that features A-list celebrity DJs and local DJs. And it came out of actually when I first started doing live streaming back in 2009, I'd already been podcasting since 2005 and came out of the broadcast television world, executive producing shows to NBC and Fox. Hmm. And um, when I started playing around live streaming, I was going to take my broadcast television series the genres it was called itv and under that genre we had about nine depending on what time you caught me of the year i had nine to twelve different television genre episodes it was a variety show so we feature everything from live music to comedy to sports to to restaurants art fashion short films um you know kind of anything that was going on in the city and Mm -hmm. would would give those local businesses a um a platform to be on broadcast television. Of course, this was very late night because all the network slots are usually purchased, you know, right. in advance by the major network. So we'd go on at about 1.30 in the morning, but we'd still have about 15 to 20,000 viewers watching. And um, when I started playing around with, um, well, obviously with broadcast television, it airs once and then it's gone. Right. Uh, there was no way to really put it up. Uh, you know, we had YouTube and it was in its infancy, but we turned to podcasting as kind of our way, but still there were no video iPods at the time. There was no way to carry a video with you around. Right. So um, it wasn't when I was working for Apple, um, they launched the iTunes, they launched the video iPod and then later revamped the iTunes store and made a video podcast section. And we debuted in there in number four, 48. And we Amazing. quickly went from about a thousand downloads a week to 10,000 to 30 to 75,000. At one point we were doing 300,000 downloads a week. Oh my gosh. And didn't know how we, and nobody knew because we came out of the Nielsen world, but nobody really knew how to monetize a podcast at that time, because Mm -hmm. the statistics that everyone would look for, you didn't have Nielsen ratings or Arbitron ratings like you do in radio. Right. So that being said, um, just kept doing that for a while and found kind of a new distribution media. So we abandoned our broadcast, our broadcast world because it costs money, lots of money to put shows on broadcast television podcast we could kind of lower those costs and then hit a wider demographic plus it would it'd be instantly downloaded to your mobile device or your computer just by subscribing to our shows which we thought was just awesome so watch our content anytime anywhere you know you wanted to 
set the way forward clock to 2009 and I started playing with live streaming and I did this event and the event was supposed to be kind of, I'd say six of our brands of, of the ITV show all in one, like live studio audience, live mm -hmm. music, short mm -hmm. films, fashion, comedy, mm -hmm. yeah, audience segments, talking to the audience and we're going to stream all this live. And I had a DJ there. And I had been nightclubbing at that time for a number of years of my life and had a lot of nightclub friends and DJs and knew a lot of people. Right. And after that experience, it was July 2009, I believe, I came out of it and said, what was the easiest? That It kind of was a, I, I don't know if I can, I don't want to swear on your show, but let's just say <laughs> it was one of those kind of S shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I didn't really know what we were doing. I didn't understand the bandwidth requirements of live streaming, you know, internet requirements. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all that fun stuff that you learn over, over time to make right. sure you check and check and recheck. And uh, and so I said, what was the easiest part of that show, though, that, that came out of that? And I realized it was about the 35 minutes that we had the DJ playing twice during the show, like an intermission. Mm. And I said, you know what? I want to do a live streaming DJ show mm. where I just put some cameras up, have the DJ come in, have them play. And that'd be an hour long, but why not go for four hours and have four DJs come in and do it like a radio show yeah. and interview the DJs. And we, we started this, uh, I was bouncing around the idea on a um, bouncing around the deal with a bunch of my friends over the course of the summer. Right. And one night my friend just calls me up out of the blue and he says, Darren, I'm coming over to your house and we're doing the DJ sessions. And I went, <laughs> what? And I had already been experimenting using uh, the platform Ustream and Livestream right. just, just to play with it. Cause I'm a Mac guy and you know, the world is, was built a lot for PC world. So I'm like, right. And I knew the costs of bandwidth because I was running internet radio stations out of my house. So to do live streaming, I was like, these companies are just going to give it away for free. That's not, no way. This is going to break. Something's going to, yeah, well, yeah. it didn't. And we ended up becoming a featured partner with the Houston live stream, but uh, a little bit more on that later, but uh, he wow. came over to my house. Mm -hmm. We sit down for the first hour and um, we have the headsets on. I'm doing social media. I'm pumping it on Facebook. Da -da 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 -da. I get up to go to the bathroom. And I take my headsets off because we were both in headsets in my apartment. Mm -hmm. I take my headsets off and I realize it's completely quiet in my apartment, like dead silent, quiet in my apartment. And I'm like, I just spent the last hour feeling like I was in a nightclub, rocking it out, socializing with people, chatting it online. Yeah. And this is all. I put the headsets back on. I took them off, put them back on. <laughs> They're actually still up on our website. I believe you can we can look them up if you wanted to go back and look at them. But the thing is, is that... Mm -hmm. Right there, it was a Tuesday night, and I realized that I was onto something. So the next week, I moved the shows to Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I put three cameras up in my in my bedroom mm -hmm. and brought some DJ gear over and started throwing DJ shows out of my bedroom. Wow. And uh, all my friends would come over and hang out, and we'd be like a little party, like 15, 16 people watching their friends DJ party and stream them live online. Yeah. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But what the, 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 the key, like the, the main catalyst for it that really took it to the next level was uh, we started that, I believe it was somewhere in September of 2009, late September 2009. Right. And, um, earlier that year, I'd gone to Winter Music Conference. And I don't know if, if you know much about the electronic music scene or many of the names in the electronic music scene. But while I was there, I met the PR person for Carl Cox. And was, oh, and was wow. hooked up with her. Okay. And she also is the PR person for Dave Dresden. Two huge, huge names in, in the world. I mean, Carl Cox is like one of the top three DJs in the world mm -hmm. still to this day. 
and um and uh dave dresden he's done mixes for people like madonna i mean top right. just top top songs i mean top yeah. one of the top live streams we'll get into that as well um because it's an interesting story that i have about live stream we'll talk about um where we're at now and so um dave dresden's coming to town and this is like december 2009 and i reach out to his pr person i say hey dave dresden's coming to town but it'd be cool if he came by our show and uh you know, we're doing this new thing. And rather than just an interview, would he be able to do a set? And she goes, yeah, let me ask him. So mm. Dave Dresden comes by and he, and I'm, I'm not living in a fancy apartment, by the way, this is more like a studio <laughs> apartment with a sliding wall. Right. Right. But it was a, considered a one bedroom. Yeah. So Dave Dresden comes over and he plays my bedroom and we have about 15, 20 people there. And I'm just looking going, you know what? This is it. This is that I want to get more A-list celebrities on my show. And I want to have, right. I want to feature local artists, yeah. but I want to couple it with A-list celebrity artists. So that way, like we can get that influencer appeal to have them shared on their Twitters or their socials and people then come back and turn into the show. Gotcha. And I just started after that knocking on doors, doing what I do best, picking up the phone, mm -hmm. you know, and making calls or I guess sending emails more or less, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. um, you know, just doing the shows on and off for years. Uh, being the guy in Seattle that does the live streaming DJ show. Um, and then about a year later, we got the mobile studio. You can see this at our website. I'll tell you all about that in a little bit too. Uh, basically think of it, I call it the Willy, Wonk's, Willy Wonka glass box elevator. <laughs> the back of a truck with a 6,000 watt sound system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a rolling concert basically that you can buy tickets to and, and ride in the back with us and everyone gets to see you party and, and dance while we're driving around the city. Yeah, people go crazy for it. It's fun. One of my more and, and one of my more outward ideas that I come up with because I come up with a lot of kind of forward moving stuff. But um, yeah, I set the way clock forward to about to middle 2017, and I had always been up and down with the show, you know, just on and off, on and off. I took it seriously, but I wasn't taking it really seriously. Gotcha. And I said to myself. I was walking through a big festival called Eclipse here in or on the West Coast here. Mm -hmm. The uh, Eclipse Festival was here. And I was by myself and I said, you know what? There's some major things that have to happen in my life. And they're going to happen in this order. And number one was I was in school at the time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish school. Even though I got 232 credits, mm -hmm. I, I still haven't. I, I'm getting my degree finalized now. Because uh, <laughs> I, I have the credits. I just never got the piece of paper. I said, mm -hmm. I'm finishing school. Uh, had some health issues that were going on that I needed to address and take care of. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the third one was I am taking and revamping the DJ sessions into a full on brand and going after sponsorships. And, and our goal will be in the first year, once the website's done is to raise a quarter million dollars in sponsorship funds. Wow. And um, yeah, I came out of that, got a new website, which, Looking back on it now, if you ever go back to the Wayback Machine, mm -hmm. you can actually track and type in the djsessions.com and go back to 2013 when we had version one of the site. Mm -hmm. Version one kind of quickly became outdated. <laughs> <laughs> version two, which was launched, basically it was launched, but I didn't officially launch it until uh, about September of 2019. I was working on it from September, from, I'm sorry, from um, early 18 to September 19. It's September 19th. Right. And um, I was, it never, it never was right with me. It never sat right with me, but it was there. It was, nobody else had really anything like it. Mm -hmm. uh, all of our, like at the time, I think we had 1700 or 1800 episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, it wasn't until um, 
we were coming into 2020. I was looking at getting contracts with the city. Like I got into silent disco technology. I was throwing rooftop parties. I was doing all this stuff to help build the brand at the local level, still talking with A-list celebrities. Mm -hmm. But um, one of my DJs comes to me in January of this year. And I have an open door policy. It's the only way we can really stay motivated here. I, I, I let my team share in the creativity, even though I'm the executive producer of the show and the right. buck stops with me and the decisions are made with me. And, right. you know, I really do listen to my team and their input. I value that. And one of them, he's been doing websites for a while. He comes to me and says, Darren, what's up with the website, man? I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> okay. What's wrong with it? And he goes, dude, it's a little dated, man. It's a little dated. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, I'm humming and hawing. I said, you know what? I was just talking to another client of mine. I was going to build them a website, saw what I was going to build for them and said, you know what? I'm going full bore. I'm taking this down. So for, for from January 18th to April 24th this year, 2021, mm -hmm. I did nothing but spend 30 to 50 hours a week. We did no outreach. Shows were really not on board. We were doing stuff, but I really wanted to get this new website up, which I am very, very proud of. I think it's what we had before was the Honda Accord right. or the Yugo. Yep. <laughs> and now uh, I call this the Ferrari that has been launched and out of the garage. And we're already on version, it was version 3.0. And now it's version 3.2. Still got some minor little tweaks and upgrades coming out. We have a mobile app we'll be releasing here shortly. It's already approved in the iTunes, or I'm sorry, in the Android store. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting to make the aesthetic changes to, to drop it into iTunes. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to build a VR environment. I recently got an Oculus 2. So we'll have an online, we'll have a VR uh, environment, a really, really nice nightclub environment in VR that I'm working on. Oh, um, beautiful. So lots of cool stuff. And on top of all that, picking up, you know, doing multiple events, things yeah. coming back, yeah. our, our contracts with the city that we work with are coming back. Right. Um, some great new series. I'll tell you all about that too, but it's just, it's been a wonderful ride and, you know, had, had things not, we were getting, getting geared up in January and February of 2000, um, 2020. Like it was, this is on, we're going for the money. We're going to do all this stuff. Here yeah. we go. And obviously everything came to a standstill. Mm -hmm. And we found out that in our state, Washington state, we were actually, so when everything shut down, it kind of shut down our operations because we do a lot of stuff outdoors, like events. Right, right. Sorry. And so um, what happened is we found out in late March when they shut everything down, or I should say around April, mid-April, mid, mid, -April, mid to late April, when the governor put out the list of essential businesses, we found out that we qualified on two caveats as an essential business. So hmm. we were still able to, operate and do what we did. And I went forth and started writing the playbook on how to do safe events uh, by using a technology. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but it's called Silent Disco. Have you ever heard okay. of that before? No, I haven't. So basically, instead of doing an event where there's amplified music, right. we put all the music through wireless FM transmitted headsets that go about a thousand feet away from our DJ booths. Mm. And each of these headsets, well, the ones we have now, we're getting new ones here shortly, but they have four channels. So I can now have four DJs play at the same time. Whereas before, and I, before I could produce four hours of content, now I can produce 16 hours of content in that same city. Wow, man, yeah. that's amazing. And, and we stream it all live online too. Yeah, um, yeah. On site, I feed that most people, 
when they were shut down, they had to go to streaming live from their living rooms, from their bedrooms, right. you know, home. And here we are trying to push the envelope by being out in public, out in parks and be in places we could do this at and, and keeping that alive. So, yeah. um, you know, that was kind of an interesting challenge because obviously the police were called on us numerous times. Right, right. The, the city entities that be one hand didn't know what the other hand was doing like they didn't know that we had contracts with the city to do these events yeah since the everything was shut down the city couldn't endorse our events but they knew that we were writing the playbook to show them how to do safe events because you'd come to the event we'd slide our headset across the table to you six feet away then you could take that headset and walk and be a thousand feet away from us and still listen to the music ah i got you you have to collectively be in a group of people right right so um, it just didn't, they didn't wrap their head around it very fast, but we've been doing it and we started those back up again. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, like I said, I always like pushing and moving in, in newer directions, kind of being ahead of the curve or as my friend, one of my best friends will say, Darren, you're always the guy to do the first things. And usually the first over the wall gets the bloodiest. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That, that's a great analogy, man. I love that. In fact, uh, it, it, it kind of speaks to uh, the importance of hitting that sweet spot, right? I mean, you want to be uh, groundbreaking. You want to be, you know, you want to have these breakthroughs. You want to be innovative and creative um, and on the cutting edge of, of being the first one to come out with whatever innovation that you make for your, uh, for your, for your company. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're unique and no one else is doing it, is it something that the people want or are looking for, or they don't know what they want it until they see it from you, right? So you got to kind of strike a balance between uh, being innovative and creative, but also to where it gets a response. Uh, Have you had any challenges with that? Um, You know, one of the biggest things was when when we were doing our show, it's just I love telling this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year and a half ago, when I would walk up to somebody and tell them they'd ask, what do I do? And I'd say, oh, we're a live streaming, we're a featured Twitch partnered live streaming DJ show podcast. The first thing, depends on who the person was. They'd either say, who would want to watch a DJ online live streaming? I'd want to go see it in person. I'd want to go to a nightclub. Okay, fair enough. I get it. Mm-hmm. But number two, they'd follow up and go, what's Twitch? <laughs> and I'd be yeah. like, oh, okay, okay, let's start from the top here. You know, you know what YouTube is, right? I go, yeah. I go, you know how Google owns YouTube? I go, yeah. I go, well, Amazon basically runs Twitch. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then they go, well, isn't it that place that people play video games? I go, it's a major streaming platform that does 87% of more of the world's live streaming right now. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And people just didn't know about it. They just didn't, they knew, but they might think, oh, it's for video games or they didn't understand. Well, I'll tell you, when the S hit the fan, mm-hmm. okay, in March, I'd say if there were, I, I, if there were 2 million DJs in the world, I'd say at the time when we were doing this, maybe I'd say 30 to 40,000 were maybe streaming live or did something live online. Mm-hmm. When everything shut down and everyone was stuck at home, yep, 100% of those DJs, whether you were a top A-list celebrity DJ down to I'm going to Guitar Center and buy myself some DJ gear right now, became an online live streaming DJ. Oh, sure, sure. So where, where I sat back, and I was in talks with Twitch at the time, 
okay. when this happened about getting to the front back to the front page of Twitch and getting our licensing all in order. Yeah. Um, and making sure we had all our I's dotted, T's crossed because we're going for all this and we don't want any lawsuits and takedowns no. and lose our channels because of DMCA, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, copyright violations. And I saw everyone jump online. And these are people that I'd worked with for years. Really? And you would have thought, you know, of course, I don't have, I have no problems with anyone going out and trying to, to do what I do or do what somebody else does. Uh, you know, I love competition. I love yeah. seeing people be innovative. I love people seeing them taking the initiative and doing something on their own. And, you know, a lot of people didn't come knocking on my door. They wanted to go do their own show, their own thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And, and for the first three months of all this, I think I feel, I think I took over a hundred and I think it was 117. When I look back, I, I had a moment and counted the phone calls, the emails of everyone hitting me up going, Darren, you're the guy that's been doing this for 10 years. How do we do this? What do we do? Da, da, da. I'm like, Nice. Kind of giving you the secrets away, but I'm not giving you the secrets away, but I'm here to help you. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. But these aren't the problems that you're going to really have. You know, these are going to be the problems you're going to have. And mm -hmm. I started becoming very vocal about this online with people because I just mm -hmm. realized a lot of people want, were wanting this information from me. Mm -hmm. And some people online were thinking that I was being a negative person or a hater because I was trying to tell them, I'm like, look, if you're going to get in this, don't complain because you don't have your licensing. Go get your licensing. Now, yeah. I know it's damn near next to impossible to get the licensing for what everyone wants to do. Right. But that being said, go do your research. Go do your homework. It's like people yeah, you want to do your homework. You they wanted to. to jump in, start up, and be yeah. where they thought in their, in their mind that they were ahead of the game when really they were so far behind the game. They were jumping into something I was doing. 10 years ago and then even that podcasting five years before that right you know yeah. so it's like uh okay and then you know everything from technical to distribution yep. how they marketed themselves mm -hmm. um you know they just didn't understand the game and again i come from doing this for almost 28 years ever since i was 18 years old mm -hmm. so i kind of have the background of putting this stuff together so people still you know, one of the challenges, they don't understand why we had our success or why the, why some people were successful at this and why some people weren't. But it was because there was such a huge boom. I mean, right. when everybody in the industry goes boom to this medium, if we were on camera, you'd see, normally you'd see, I'd show you, there'd be like a normal curve. You know, it starts out and there's 10,000, then 20,000, 50. There might be a jump to 150,000. But the, the live streaming industry doubled. The podcast industry doubled. And you had everyone putting out content with yeah. no real, they were trying to throw S to the wall and right. make it stick. And they're using social mediums. I don't have anything necessarily against Facebook or Instagram, but they're used. They're, it's like the same garbage being told by everyone in the right. sense of advertising. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And a yeah. person can only consume a live stream every so often, or they only have so much time in the day to consume a podcast. Right. You know, that's right. That's and right. so they weren't thinking about their distribution, how often that, um, they weren't thinking about, um, you know, things like uh, consistency, yep. um, you know, and uh, it was just very interesting. So last year I was predicting, we'll see when things go back to normal and things start opening back up. Yep. I was saying we're going to see a 60 to 80% drop in content production just because mm -hmm. people are going to want to be out doing stuff. Right. And we're going to see a 60 to 80% drop in content consumption. 
because those people are going to not want to consume in front of the computer anymore. They're going to be out. They're going to go out. Exactly. Their entertainment. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't matter what it is. I think you're going to have people that are rappers that like to go to rock concerts and rock people that like to go to electronic music shows because we're just around some people having fun. Doing oh, something. sure. Yeah, you know, we're just I mean, glad to be out, right? Just glad yeah. to be out of the house. I'll go learn crocheting and drinking wine if that's something that's going to be that's something that's not sold out. Right, and it's going to put me in front of a bunch of people. You know, I just want to be. I mean, it's inherent in all of us, right? We mm-hmm. we as humans, we we want that physical interaction, the look and see. Sure, in a virtual space, you know, that's a that's a that's a good substitute. Um, but nothing beats that physical um, look and feel. You know, it's funny because what you were explaining as far as the spike uh, mm-hmm. in, in uh, DJs going online with little or no experience when the shutdown happened, the same thing happened um, with uh, a, a bunch of uh, comedians. I mean, the, the comedy circuit, right? Last year, I interviewed uh, about a dozen comedians from places like New York City and so forth. And, and they were talking about, you know, hey, at that time, New York City, it was a hot spot. It was the maybe the second biggest, the biggest hot spot in the country, but the second hot spot overall. And uh, and and so you know these comedians, I mean, comedy clubs are are shut down. They're closed. You can't do anything. So people were you know running some uh, virtual stand up on Zoom and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, and and I don't. I mean, they they seem like they're they have a pretty um, extensive experience in comedy, but we're brand spanking new to that modality, right? To delivering it uh, in a virtual mm-hmm. sense. And, 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 and that, that seems like an, an added challenge uh, for sure. Now, one thing, if I can take a step back, Darren, and, and, and ask, um, you made the transition from um, national um, television broadcasting, right? To, uh, to uh, the virtual sense. And, and live streaming and, and, and those things. Um, it's more sustainable and it was scalable for your business. So um, how, how much of a challenge or was it no challenge at all when it came to just um, your, tar- your target audience, right? Was there a transition that you had to make um, uh, in communicating to your target audience about the medium that, that, you're, that you're switching to or did you have to kind of rebuild that target audience going virtual. It's funny you bring that up. And I, I want to, I want to go just take a step back before I answer that. And because okay. you mentioned something, I was talking about the bell curve and growth. Yeah. I forgot to mention that what happened is when everyone jumped online, this massive surge happened instead of the general curve that went up and you'd build your audience and people start finding people over time mm-hmm. and more people start doing this. It kind of just went 90 degrees straight up and plateaued. And no matter where you were at, if you were at zero, Mm-hmm. you probably weren't going to get very far. If you were at 10,000 people watching you, you're probably going to stay at 10,000. Okay. You know? So, yeah. um, and then you see the, the drop off. But it, it, that goes into audience and goes into the success of the show, which I'm glad you asked that question. Um, what was funny about our series is that our, our target demographic for ITV in the broadcast world was always, um, was always 18 to 34 year olds, primarily focused 20, 22 to to like 29 year olds, male, female, average household target was probably about 60 grand. We're looking for the kids that were just out of college, maybe making 15, 16 bucks an hour, disposable income, come check out these cool stuff that's going on in the city. Our Nielsen ratings on the other hand were 
completely different. Uh, we were actually trending with the 40 plus female market. Um, really? I don't know. Yeah, it was late night TV. We, we ran the show numerous times mm-hmm. and it would just keep coming back with that was our target. Because you got to think, we had this on a Friday or Saturday night where the kids at home watching TV or were they out partying doing stuff. Right. So once we moved over to the digital medium, though, it was the kids that had the iPods. It's the kids that have these the, the, the computer savvy downloading YouTube video watching. Yep. I know what I know how to use iTunes. I could subscribe. I get it. So mm-hmm. we started actually developing that audience and becoming that brand name that people know, you know, mm-hmm. that's synonymous with good DJ content, good DJ shows yeah. and, you know, featuring A-list celebrities that are coming to town or they want to know more information about that yeah. they normally don't, don't get a chance to, to hear or see. Yeah. So um, we've definitely started to fall into that niche. And mm. now, you know, our targeting, you know, the events we do, it's, it's funny. I go a little bit broader because being in the nightlife realm, you know, you definitely are working with alcohol. Yeah, you um, are. You're working in a nightlife environment where it's pretty much, it's 21 and up to get in, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you know, you're out till four or five, sometimes six in the morning, getting footage from the clubs. Right. I kind of a little bit older than older now, but not old, not like out of the game old. I'm just like, <laughs> but I think I'm going to switch my game up. And so we do our events. Like if you go down the week, we do a Sunday mm-hmm. event, Tuesday event, Wednesday event, and Saturday event. Eventually we're going to be throwing in a Friday event here. All of our events are family friendly. So people that are my age, I'm in my mid forties and um, people that are my age that would want to go out and do something with the kids, they could bring them along. Wow. You know, and the kids could come and dance and have fun. Two of the restaurants, actually three of the places we're at weekly um, are pet friendly. So you can bring your dog to the restaurant, to the place we're at, the the establishment we're at. Or if we're out in the city park. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your pet with you. So and we're doing these events from 12 to 4. Well, it's 12 to 4 for our, our, our brunch series on mm-hmm. Saturdays and Sundays, mm-hmm. 6 to 10 and 6 to 10 on, sa- on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and probably a 5 to 8, 6 to 9 on Fridays. But still times that are going to get you, you're not going to be out all night, right? 2 in the morning, yeah. or even have to wait to see a, your favorite DJ play. Usually yeah. most DJs go on about midnight in the nightclub. So mm-hmm. you can still come out, have a great dance experience, get home and, and chill. And, you know, and then I'm not also as the producer of the show and my staff, we aren't burning the candle at both ends. Right. You know, I wake up pretty much at six o'clock, six 30 every day. If I had to pull all nighters like that, I'd burn myself. <laughs> oh, no, for sure, man. I mean, you guys are finding balance in, 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 in doing this. I mean, not making it just at one time of the week, not just one time of the day, but making it within, you know, primetime hours where, you know, families can get together and, and, and come and listen to this without putting in an all nighter or a late nighter. Right. Um, it, it, it reminds me of my wife who, when we were younger, you know, she, well, she, she retired as a, as an educator, a teacher and principal after like 23 years, but uh, in, in our early days, you know, I was a night owl. I'd go out to the clubs. I'd be out all night, you know. Um, she just wanted to go to the nightclub to dance. She didn't want to drink. She just had water and she danced because she loves to dance. And she was thinking, man, Aubrey, you know, if, if, if someone invented 
a nightclub that was like from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And they played all the great nightclub music that clubs play at 11, 12, 1 um, during those hours, right? From 6 to 9. Um, that would be perfect for me. And, and it's non-alcoholic. That would be perfect for me. You know, <laughs> the, the, she was a, she was a big fan of the dance and the music and everything, but not of the late night hours and, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And, and it sounds like that's like a model that you guys have uh, have been successful with. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen an uptick of I mean, of course, last year you had everyone that was. I won't get too much. I won't get into the politics of it, but you had the people that. When we were out at the parks doing what we wanted to do, mm-hmm. we saw the people that were going to go out and do what they wanted to do regardless. Gotcha. There was the public shaming. There was the attacks. There was the, what are you doing? People who didn't even understand our process coming out right. of sideways, trying to, 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 to bad mouth or bad talk our model. And they wouldn't even come out and see how our operation was or even understood that we were actually an essential business and could be doing what we were doing. Gotcha. And it's like, are you just mad? And, and I can tell you 95% of these people were industry people that were just upset that they don't like what we're doing because they couldn't do anything. Yeah. They but the same token, I, those same people were throwing yeah. illegal parties and, yeah. and throwing like underground parties where you weren't really supposed to be doing those, which is exactly right. what the governor was trying to prevent from happening. Mm-hmm. And here we are showing a model that's actually a way to do it. And you know, before we used to take our, our mobile studio, um, you'll, you'll go to our website, the djsessions.com and click on, uh, click on live below, you'll it'll pop up mobile studio. You see what that's all about. We used to pull that okay. up to the beach back in 17, 16, 17 and play loud music. Even in 18, we'd play loud music out of the back of the beach. Mm-hmm. Certain demographic would walk by and go, that's really cool. DJs out of the back of the truck at the beach. Okay, we get it. The older generations would walk by and do the tisk tisk. Like, yeah. Eh, you're yeah. just you're ruining the sanctity of the beach. You really couldn't hear our speakers that far away. It's just when you walked right in front of them. Right. But still, now 100% of the people that walk by, read our signs, mm-hmm. look at our operation and go, this is awesome. Nice. And even this is not, we've changed up our signage because we don't have to be all typically, we don't have to be so pandemic worded now with yeah, what we do, yeah. make it a little bit more. Um, I call it keep it kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. <laughs> you know, basic, basic messaging. This is what you do. If you need more, come ask a question. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, people would walk by and they'd read our signage and they're like, wait a second, this is really cool. And it didn't disrupt the quietness, you know, the park environment for everyone. Right. You, know, you want to come dance, come get some headsets from us, go choose your space and, and do it. But there was no amplified music. So it wasn't blaring music that people would go, God, it'd be nice if we were here, if that music wasn't playing loud and i'm a fan of loud music don't get me wrong it's not yeah yeah hate loud music it's just like we want to be mindful of everyone around because a park and what we realized last october when we released uh one of our later one of our last press releases was that what we were doing was building something that could heal the community get people out of the house get people moving get people uh hanging out together in a positive in a physical distancing social distancing kind of way that you know, can help rebuild community and rebuild, you know, friendships of everything. We got stressed out, work, whatever it is you had going on. We just wanted you to come out and have some fun and dance. And then, you, and, you know, you know, that's- you know Darren, I, I tell you, man, I'm so glad you, 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 you know, you made, uh, you commented on that. I'm so glad that, that you mentioned 
um, you know, healing, right. And, and giving people something to feel good about, right. Um, that that's, that's hugely important. And during that time of year in 2020, and I got to ask you this because, uh, you kind of segued into this question that I had for you is, uh, a lot of stuff went on last year. We know that, right? We had the pandemic, we had a presidential election year, and a lot of uh, social injustice, riots, um, just just despair, um, protests, um, and it happened in different parts of the country, you know? And um, I, I thought I heard of uh, some things that were kind of unsettling in the Oregon, Washington state area. And, you know, um, around the time when you're out in parks and stuff, um, was there any impact that, or that, 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 that you felt from that? Um, you know, was there anything in the wake that kind of impacted what you were trying to do? Uh, um, Absolutely. Uh, okay. When we went out, so our launch date was going to be March. I think it was March 23rd. Well, it was a, like the third weekend in March. Uh-huh. We went out there, we set up, we had press on us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, come out and did a little segment on us, had some friends and family show up. I was really excited because we didn't do anything over the winter. Um, just, I shut down operations over the winter time. Um, we used to do something really cool where we'd go light bonfires. We had a fire pit area in the same yeah. park where we do everything. And unfortunately that area has been compromised um, and you can't use it any longer. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just waited till it got to about spring and we get out and we're getting ready to ramp up. Remember, this is the quarter million dollars. And by the way, that's only about a third of what it takes to run this wow. for the Seattle market, for just the Seattle market. Yeah, so, yeah. And no mean that that's not mean. I say the show bringing in a quarter million, and I'm going for a quarter million. That's me still not getting paid. <laughs> no, wow. That's, yeah, that's a, really. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I might be taking, I, I mean, I might be able to buy my staff and I lunches and stuff and take mm -hmm, care mm -hmm. of us and pay my staff, pay the people I work with, right. but no means is that like, I'm walking away with $200,000 a year in my pocket. No, no, no. Wow. Maybe, so maybe I think I'd, at that point it'd be like 35, 40,000, maybe, maybe. Okay. I guess. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is, uh, yeah, we were all getting ready to get geared up, pumped up. Here we go. Yeah. 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 And boom, <laughs> shutdowns happen. Hmm. So we're like, okay, what does that mean for us? And I was on the forefront working with a lot of the wedding professionals and nightclub people. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? What does this mean? It's, the, our whole thing here was two weeks to flatten the curve, which then became two months. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. yep. And Same so, here with my job. I was working from home then. So then we, you know, when yeah. we found out we were an essential business, uh -huh. we went back out in May and said, okay, this is our release date in May. Got out there and a week later, the protests started happening. Yes. And okay. I was like, oh, man, okay, you know, mm -hmm. I really want to be doing what I'm doing, but I also want to recognize and respect what's going on in the world, or at least in our nation right now. Right. And I wanted to start reaching out to some of the people in the community, um, you know, see, see where I could maybe turn my media skills into helping send the message out and get the message out. Oh, yeah. And I went knocking on a few doors from uh, June, late May, June, but then it became July and I said, you know what? I see this, I see this whole thing disintegrating. I see it kind of, what we had here is I'm sure you heard in the national news, we had what was called chop mm -hmm. um, in Seattle. Even you know, one, at one point, the president before Biden whose name I shall not mention. Right, right. <laughs> he 
had mentioned it in a tweet calling out our mayor to get her act together and yeah. something to take. And it, it was funny because the way the media made it out, you could go up there. It was like, it was almost like an event that you would think it was a, like an unsanctioned block party. Gotcha. Um, but the media made it look like it was, this is what's going on. It's going crazy. Blah, blah, blah. And it, 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 there was some, oh. but I mean, my friend lived right across the street from the police precinct. He'd go up there in the daytime. Nothing was going on. The protesters show up at night and they'd have the, the police line up and then they go. Then one day, you know, I was sitting up there on the hill and watching the, the, the national guard coming in to, to come and do their thing. Yeah. And I realized the national guards coming in, but there's also trucks with plywood and, and, and construction workers come in. I'm like, they're going to board up the precinct and they're going to walk away. Mm. And I knew once they did that, they'd give the protesters no reason to be there. They'd be there, but who were they going against? There's no police line anymore. Right. There's no more bike cops anymore. Yeah. I mean, there would still be like a, a presence when they wanted to do their, their, their walking through the streets and stuff. Mm. But as far as giving them a base of opportunity, and then you just knew that there was no there was no centralized organization with any of it. And I saw some what I would call some to me some disgusting stuff mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, bandwagoners, people jumping on, people trying sure. to make their own movement and that kind of stuff. And yeah. what really got it for me, and I felt a little vindicated, was when the BLM movement here in Seattle mm-hmm. actually issued a statement and said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, please reader listeners don't quote me on this, but this right, right. How it went down was, Hey, while we recognize everyone's right to peacefully assemble and they have their own grievances and everything they want to do, we are pulling our operations of BLM from the chop area. And if you plan anything, please, and you're with BLM, please plan it somewhere else. We mm. are disassociating ourselves with that area. And that's what was sad is seeing that whole thing of chop in a sense, overtake the original blm you know movement right. in that sense it really actually I, i'll tell you straight up it really pissed me off really and once i saw blm pull away and then you saw a bunch of people that were going up there and i started getting very vocal online about this too like hey a protest is not a place to go party and there no, were people not. that would let me go hang out up there and let me go get some beers and let me go drink and let me do and it's like yeah. this is okay you know I, it just really got to me but then i just i flipped my gears back on and said you know what it's now july i got a company to run i got footage to do mm-hmm. got things to run and mm-hmm. we're starting back up in july let's get operations started back up and we went nice. back to doing what we're doing nice um, yeah but it was it was tough it was mentally tough you know on, on many reasons because you know you go to try to put your best foot forward find community leaders you know, unfortunately, in, in our day and age where everyone has a, a camera phone in their pocket, and I'm a media guy myself, yeah. we're all looking for our five minutes of fame. <laughs> you know, we're all looking for that that footage that's going to be – I mean, the first two days, I live on a corner in, in downtown Seattle. It's a third and prime, but I have nicknamed it third and crime. Really? And uh, a lot of people know this. I've almost been here for about eight years, and a lot of people know this. When something bad happens, I'm usually filming it and covering it before the local media news team can get even in place for it. Wow. So when the first protests started happening, they were coming right down on a block and a half away from where I live. We're talking the, the 10,000 people ones where yeah, the cars yeah. are catching on fire and everything's going mm-hmm. crazy. I'm reporting out of my window on Facebook. I think I was 2,500, maybe one point I have 4,500 people watching hundreds of thousands of views. Cause I had like this aerial view and I'm reporting on what's happening 
Yeah. I got a little bit of a reporting voice. I'm not Dan Rather, okay? I'm not Barbara Walters. <laughs> right. But, you know, I can report. I can, I can do something. I sure. was my window ledge. And um, I'm sure there were other people down in the crowd with their phones on. Probably a lot of chaos, a lot of what's going on. And you have amateur hour um, doing it, you know. Yeah. And here yeah. I am just kind of sitting on my ledge for like eight hours a day. The second day it happened, um, I literally had like a breakdown. Like uh, like a a good breakdown, but a still just a breakdown mm-hmm. of like, okay, something's going to happen. This is this is awesome change. This is, it wasn't a scared. It wasn't a fear breakdown. Okay. You know? And that's why I said, I wanted to shift my gears to going forward with that mission of helping out. You know, I'm a media professional. I could dedicate some resources that I have. I had some platforms that, you know, definitely stood out about uh, from, from others platforms that were just getting started. Right. And, um, you know, but then all in all, I just came back and said, you know what? I got to get back to doing what I do best. Yeah. I produce a live music show. Let's get the music. Let's get the healing going back on in the community. Let's get people out here. At one point, we we're thinking about bringing like guided meditation in mm-hmm. her shows and, and work workouts, like aerobic instruction, low level aerobic instruction, just yep. to get people out of the house doing something. Right. You know, right. So I think that, you know. Lots of ups and downs last year. There's always been ups and downs with a lot of stuff we do, yeah, but yeah. I believe we're on the right path. We're on the right road and we're on the right show to say we're on the right road. <laughs> That's exactly right, my friend. And, you know, I got to tell you, man, uh, just the excitement in your voice from uh, just, just, you know, just pinpointing the work that you need to do, the roadmap. Um, you know, you, 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 you took the political stance You've done the reporting of the crime uh, that you see, and 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 you were vocal on where you stood when BLM had to pull out, right? And 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 so you, you did that, and and that was that was a, I mean, you pivoted to do that, and then pivoted back to get this business back up and going again, right? And 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 you know, you kept your focus on that, but you still spent time to um, to be authentic and genuine in expressing how you feel and where you were um, during those uh, social political type of issues, man. So that I have to commend you. And I also have to commend you just the craft of DJing, right? I'm a fan of DJing. Um, I'm not a good DJ by any means, (laughs) but I appreciate the art of DJing and I am a lover of all genres. So, you know, I've gone to clubs to hear hip hop DJing and, they're just going through, they're just going through sets. Okay. It's not, not one song is played completely from start to finish. Okay. They're just going through sets and, 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 and I love it all. And uh, I, I love electronica, you know, there's several groups that I, I listen to in electronica, um, DJ Harry, DJ shadow, um, bent, uh, uh, um, bittersweet, you know, and Thievery Corporation, all those guys. But um, the, the, the art of DJing is to bring, I think it's a service to people, right? It's a service. I mean, not just something you enjoy doing or DJs enjoy doing by, you know, spinning records and mixing and so forth, but it's, it's, it's the energy from your art and your craft that transfers to the hearts and the bodies of the people listening, right? They're either bobbing their heads or they just break out into dance 
you know, um, just just whatever body expression that they do of appreciating the art, that is a service, I think. And and so uh, I just want to commend you, man, for not just not just the the the, the classic conventional DJ uh, uh, role and effort, but the innovative breakthroughs that you're doing to uh, to to reach a broader audience. So I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing there, Darren. Thank you, thank you. You know, I, I forgot to add in, um, and I, I have brought it up a couple times when we've been talking about our, our mobile sessions and the glass box truck. Yeah. And one of the greatest things, it was um, the week, the first week, voting week, November of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was taking my truck in to go do one of my events to mm-hmm. drive it because I was using it as a vehicle and I'm driving it in. I'm in the city. My event didn't start till two o'clock. And um, I decided... I was coming into the city and I hit the city and one of my favorite songs comes on celebration by cool and the gang. Yeah. And literally tears of joy started coming down, like coming through my eyes. Like Biden had won. We knew Biden had won. Yeah. And I just go, you know what? I'm feeling so great right now for the next hour or two. I'm just going to go drive around the city. I want to play celebration. And, and nice. people know the truck. I mean, we've driven the truck around the city for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. Driving the truck around, driving the truck around, and I get up to where the whole, where CHOP was, where the whole Black Lives yeah. Matter yeah. mural is, where everything was going down on Capitol Hill. Uh-huh. And as I turn the corner by the police precinct and I come down into right where all the main action was happening, mm-hmm. there was a group of about 200 people standing out there. And I thought to myself, oh, crap i'm driving into a protest okay it's cool no mm-hmm. i mean that was my first instinct my first gut instinct was i'm driving into this yeah. as i got closer there were people dancing partying celebrating smiling in the street and you Beautiful. hadn't seen a collective experience like that fun yeah. in in a, over a year almost. wow like it, it's something outdoors and people having fun yeah. and i immediately got on the phone with my djs and i said somebody has to come play the truck right now you <laughs> right on downtown at one point i think we had like 20 cars following us all through downtown seattle driving around this, this, this some land <laughs> and at one point it was one of the last times we did we rode around one mm-hmm. of my djs was playing in the back of the truck and um i rolled up to the whole thing and it had gathered it got bigger and bigger and bigger there was probably about 700 to 1000 people there at this point yeah yeah and the kid comes running over to my truck and he just goes hey Hey, can you pull your truck over and actually make it a stage and we can actually dance to the music? Nice. And I'm like, no, no, you know, because I don't really have a permit for it. I don't know how this is going to go down. Right, uh, right. And he goes, no, come on, man. Come on, come on. Please, 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 please. Kid asked me like seven times. <laughs> and then I just went, I went, okay. And he goes, nice. he's pulling the truck over. The whole crowd <laughs> just goes, I know, I like, pull the truck over and I have it going there. Yeah. I, I end up jumping out of my truck and get up on the roof of my truck and I take a video of everyone in the crowd. Good. They're just yeah. going crazy. Good. I mean, we were there for a good, I'd say a good 40 minutes. And my friend, Jeffrey, he's such a great guy. He goes by the name of Dabble. Mm-hmm. He goes, Darren, I've never done anything like that in my entire life. There's nightclubs. <laughs> you couldn't even get into nightclubs in, in our area that would have that many people wow. that could do a 45 minute stage performance to. You'd have to be on the waiting list or be like an A-list celebrity DJ in order to do that. And uh, he was just like, that was one of the most impressive things. One of the most coolest things I ever done. And it was so good to see that and be there and be a part of that experience. Again, going back to the healing 
yes. and the need of people to want to collectively dance and hang yes. out yes. And, and have fun. Yes. And, you know, and it still has been, that was November and now we're in June. Now we're, we're in still, June. Right? We're, yeah. we're finally here. We have our, we have our lockdown coming out on, on June 30th. Okay. Yeah. So we're able to go fully 100% back open, but still that was, it's a refreshing was, change. What yeah, you, it is. What you experience. And, you know, so that's just really kind of cool to, to, to have yeah. been a part of that. Uh, and again, you know, after seeing Chop and what went down, mm-hmm. you know, you get that PTSD of, oh, here's something going well, on. Well, yeah, you're expecting that other shoe to drop, right? Exactly. So yeah. that was, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Man, that is awesome. I mean, it, it was a refreshing change and uh, you were a part of it. I was going to ask you, did you get footage? And it sounds like you got some great footage, man. And that's something memorable, you know? I mean, uh, people will be telling their kids these stories, you know? I, I, I totally, totally believe that. Now, um, regarding the DJ sessions, right, as a company and as an entity of what, what your company delivers, you know, with a team, um, there's a specific brand for that, that, that you have crafted and shaped and molded over, over the years. Um, but, and we, and we understand branding from a company sense, but I, I'd like to ask you about, you know, when it comes to an individual DJ, right? Um, is there a quote brand for a DJ? What makes a DJ's brand? Is it the way they mix? Is it the genre? Is it, I don't know, a trademark baseball cap that they wear? <laughs> you know, um, what makes wow. it a brand? Wow. Okay. So it's funny because I literally did two interviews this morning. One with a guy from the UK, mm-hmm. uh, one from uh, one from a crew from, from Italy. First guy was uh, Kissy, um, Kissy Sellout. He's been around for a while. He does a lot of remixes and, and pretty, pretty well known. Mm-hmm. And the second group was DJs from Mars. And mm-hmm. this group, I mean, between the both of them, you know, Kissy does his thing. DJs from Mars, they, they kind of dress up and have the, you know, they got like, like think like Dead Mouse, you know, where they got the, the they got boxes. I'm looking at a picture of them right now and they're kind of dressed up and look like kind of two Mormon kids, but with these boxes on their heads and they do these yeah. awesome remixes. And let me ask you real quick. I'm sorry. Let me ask you real quick. When you say Mars, you're talking about Mars as in M A A R S. No, no, not that. Not 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 uh, not not pump the, up the volume. Okay. Pump up okay. the volume. Not that. All right. Mars. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. DJs from Mars. Okay. And they, I mean, they are blowing it up. They they are talking with the likes of David Guetta. Uh, they've had over a quarter. I think 250 million downloads of their videos. Wow. Um, just blowing it up with what they do. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what's their stick? Is their stick the remixes they make? Is it the fact that they get on stage and they wear these costumes? Right. Um, you know, what is it that gets them in? And, you know, sometimes it can be money. Yeah. Sometimes it can be being in the right place at the right time, who you know. Um, you found that is being a DJ enough or do you have to be a producer as well and make your own tracks and get those tracks played somewhere? And even when you get them played somewhere, there's still so little money at that level that you're, you're going to be working a day job. Yeah. You know, yeah, certainly what, what else is going to enter inter? You got to look at what the factors that impact your life to what's going to be able to make you be successful. And then again, I was just having a conversation with my father last week and a pretty 
lovingly heated conversation is define <laughs> what success is. Right. Right. You know, do I have to have $10 million in the bank account to be successful? Can I be happy doing what I'm doing? As long as my bills are paid and the roof's over my head, and there's food in the fridge. Right. You know, am I successful? Yeah. You know, because I'm a lot of people in life, they work at jobs that they don't like doing would rather be doing something else, but they yeah. don't know how to make that change, let alone have the financial resources mm-hmm. to say, let me stop what I'm doing. Cause I might, I set my life up to be X amount of dollars per year. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go try this business venture. And if I do that, I'm going to pursue that for three or four years. I may not be able to get a job back. You know, if I pursue yeah. that and I'd be broke. Right. You know, if I fail and, and they say, unfortunately, 98% of all businesses in America fail within the first two years. Yeah. One, oh, because yeah. of lack of proper planning Two, mm-hmm. because lack of capital. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. because you have money does not mean your business is going to be successful in any way, shape, or form. I know many entrepreneurs out there that have tons of money, have thrown tons of money at tons of problems, yeah. still failed their butts off. And that's one of the things I've loved over all these years of being so independent. It wasn't until, like I said, just recently, I had to get everything revamped. Uh, and you know, see where I'm going with this to, to get that money to make it successful so I could hire employees and right. pay people a decent wage, even if they're a part time employee, pay them a decent wage, right? So, to be a successful DJ and what's their niche, you know, a lot of time, a lot of investment, but a lot of it is the market that you're into. What I call Seattle a template model for making A list celebrity DJs. No, do we have some DJs that I've heard that are from here that are? Top of the line, A-list quality DJs. Absolutely. That's why I started my show to right. show the world that they were here. Right. Um, you know, but does that mean they get to walk around and they say that they can get paid $50,000 a show like Tiesto? Yeah. No. Or Carl Cox or David Guetta? Yeah. No. No. And so, you know, what is that? What does that look like? And what is a success DJ? Is the DJ success just playing out once a month, you know, to a crowd and having fun? But eventually yeah. what happens over time, I've seen is that DJs get older and family life starts coming into play. Or, you know, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore because I've been doing it for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'll come out and play once in a while or I go go semi-retired kind of. And we always ask on the show, what's the retirement age for a DJ? We haven't seen, Carl Cox isn't retired yet. He's still out there rocking it, doing shows, (laughs) planning major events, major events. And so is there really a retirement age? Do you ever stop from something like that? And, and again, what's the stick? Like one of my, one of our greatest DJs, Avian Invasion, he has a whole bird costume set up. Guy is phenomenal, phenomenal musician, phenomenal artist, phenomenal DJ, you know? And mm-hmm. what we've talked about this, what's his next level? Is it management? Is it a PR booking agency that can start getting them? out there and getting them write-ups and getting publicity. Well, that stuff costs money. Yeah, it does. You know, that's right. Um, so, you know, you want to, you want to get that in and you got to have yeah. money coming in to pay the bills. <laughs> so, yep. No, yeah. Know, I mean, I think, there's, there's some trade-offs, you know, yeah. you have to deal with. I mean, you do have to be good too. I mean, you can't go out there and screw up. Well, no, that's all right. over the place, <laughs> but you know, yeah. uh, I just see a lot of phenomenal talent. And that was one of the, one of the major, I'd say if there was one of the top three key inspirations for the DJ sessions was the fact that I saw all these DJs playing in nightclubs. Nobody was recording them. Nobody was distributing them. 
talk of the town was always, did you catch so-and-so's set last week? So-and-so's yeah. set was so awesome. <laughs> okay, well, I can't hear it if I wasn't there, yeah. you know? So I yeah. keep hearing all these badass DJs and I'd say, well, why don't we just do a show and have you come play? And yeah, our radio station here, you can get on some of the times, mm-hmm. but you know, now everyone has jumped online. I still don't think they figured out the podcast element to yet. They still have not keyed in on the distribution of it and then branding themselves within that distribution because everyone started with the, the webcams and that was great. And then they found out they had, they didn't have high enough in computers to do it. Right. And now the green screen boom is in effect because they found it was easier to set up one camera and do a green screen and put visuals behind right, themselves. Right, but, right. you know, I was doing that. Okay what 10 11 years ago that's yep. new to them what i was doing 10 11 12 10, 10 11 12 years ago so yeah that's getting where's the gimmick where's the stick in that right you know um some people are doing some crazy stuff online uh that it is getting their viewers but they were also a good dj that was on tour that's mm. another thing is getting your name out there and being able to go on tour going to other cities and expanding your market yeah, that that's a way to get your name out, and people go, "Whoa, you're from Seattle," or "Oh, you're from LA," or "You're from Phoenix, Texas." You're from Texas, or whatever. Right. right. Phoenix, Arizona. Te- you know, and I was talking about this with somebody the other night. I told people they could buy their own tour. You know, take mm-hmm. take ten thousand dollars, call up mm-hmm. ten nightclubs, and say, "Hey, I'll pay a thousand bucks to come play each of your nightclubs." And then now you're going on tour, and you're out there, and you're going to be networking with the promoters. You're going to be networking. And, shaking hands and talking with people it's been done pay yeah. to play yeah definitely been yeah. done and gotcha. um you know that's, yeah yeah i think once you develop that shtick I, i've had a lot of djs they go through their different reiterations of their dj names right thinking right. that's gonna make or break their career and it's like <laughs> no it, it takes a little more than that obviously um you know you find that shtick like you said and then of course you want to build from that and and, and get better. I mean, not just shaking hands and talking to different people, but actually honing your craft, refining it, getting better as you're making those connections. And uh, I, I think that, that, that at least is the, are the beginning ingredients um, to set you up for success, I would imagine. Well, you got to network too. You got to network. You got to be yeah. talking to people. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to sit there. If you're a bedroom DJ, you're playing in your bedroom. Nobody's going to come up to your window and go, Hey, you're a badass DJ. Can I put you on my nightclub roster and put you on a right, tour around the world? Right. That yeah. doesn't happen. And even if you're live streaming, now that everyone's live streaming, the commod, the value of it's so disenfranchised. It's like, yeah. so what? So is everyone else. And they're going to come right to you and go, what's your viewership? Is right, anyone right. watching you? A lot of DJs <laughs> were making it big because of their social media numbers. Sure. They'd say, hey, you got, you got 30, 40,000 people following you on Instagram. Yeah. Sure, I'll book you because the next guy's coming in. He has five hundred people following him on Instagram. Yep. You know, yep. if you don't have your socials in place and you're you're constantly putting out content and engaging with your your followers, yeah, it, yeah, you're not a commodity. People don't understand. This is about marketability. Yes. You know? Which and means I was you... talking. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I was talking about a DJ out of LA, Black Liquid, and he told me a story about the first time he ever had his first DJ gig, and the bar owner said, "You know what?" Your job is there you go. See these peanuts on the bar? These peanuts are more, more important than you are in my bar. Wow. Right now. And, wow. and the guy looked at me and he's telling me the story. He goes, What do you mean? I'm like, what are you saying? I'm less than peanuts. And he goes, Yes, because these peanuts, people eat these peanuts, and these peanuts make them want to drink. 
Right now, mm-hmm. your job is to be a DJ and bring people in here to drink. If you can't get people in here drinking, I'm going to find somebody else that can. Wow. And that was gotcha. his first business lesson he learned. He's like, dang, yeah. he's kind of right. Yeah, that's a tough lesson, you know? but it's a business, you know? It's a business. And, and yeah. a lot of people don't understand that, you know, the bars, the, the bar, the infrastructure, the waitresses, the, the barbacks, the bartenders, mm-hmm. management, ordering, insurance, <laughs> maintenance, cleanup, all that yep. stuff. You know, they think because they get to play in a bar, a nightclub, that they kind of made it or they got that going on. It's like, well, you're not owning the bar. You're not covering all those costs. No. You, know, you pay for all that stuff. So, it's the, and it's, you know, the bar is the one making $15,000 a night in liquor sales. And, you know, you're making walking away with 50 bucks or 100 bucks a night. And you played right. in front of 150 people. Yep. And it's 150 people going to get you to a stardom status or make a paycheck for you. And when you can only do that once a month, maybe twice a month, three times, yeah. even if you do four times a month. And you're making three hundred dollars a gig. That that's not enough to cover rent in this city. I don't no. know where, where they're living, but <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. No, it, it's it's uh, it definitely is not. So you know, there's some rethinking they definitely have to do there. Um, so as we wind down here, Darren, um, how can the listeners connect with you? How can they follow you and learn more about the DJ sessions and check out uh, check out one of these sessions? Absolutely. Uh, the best place to go is our new and improved version 3.2 website. <laughs> the DJ sessions.com. That's the DJ sessions.com. All our socials, the DJ sessions.com. You go to the website. It's mobile friendly. Oh, it's so nice that it's mobile friendly now. Awesome. Um, again, we do have the mobile app coming out. We have the VR world coming out. Just look for us, the DJ sessions. We're out there. Uh, and all our new episodes go up online. I think we're at now 2000. No, after today's two episodes, we'll be at 2012 episodes. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, they're all archived. You can type in the A-list celebrity DJ names, the search bars there. I had a lot of back-end work done, me and the dev team. Lots of sh- shouts out to the dev team. I had a bunch of people from multiple areas working on this with me yeah. to get it to where I want it to be. The gallery section works the way I want it to. <laughs> the store <laughs> section works the way I want it to. Um, uh, check out the artist pages, the, our resident DJ pages. Okay. Uh, I think those are really the, the real highlight of the site that, that if, if you go to the Wayback machine and if you know what I'm talking about, new, the DJ sessions.com, check out the site about oh, six months ago from this, uh, let's say, check it out in, um, December of 2020 and then check out what it is now. You'll be like, this is night and day. Yeah, like before and after, right? <laughs> yeah, taking it to the next level. And yeah. just really proud of that. I really love showcasing the, those, that team there. Those, those, those people are some of the greatest people to work with. And I love having a great team because um, without them, I really wouldn't have a show. Oh, by the way, I'm not a DJ. I don't know if I told you, I didn't tell you that or not. I, I don't know how to DJ. I never want to learn how to DJ. I'm an executive producer. Oh. I do doing all the video yeah. content, editing, yeah. marketing sponsorship acquisition yeah all that fun stuff branding website content vr gotcha. build a mobile app building i do all that stuff i don't want to bring dj in onto my plate. amazing no i got you i mean no you have enough hats man so and i and i have a back uh i have an it background so uh i'm right there in lockstep with you darren uh big shout out to the dev team great mm. job on the website 
Uh, I'm going to review it. Last time I, I took a look at it, it was the older version. So uh, I'm definitely going to have a look at the newer version. And we're going to have um, links to the artist profile pages, as well as, you know, just the overarching website on the episode show notes so that the listeners can uh, directly access the site. Um, where can they find you on social mediums? Uh, Facebook, it, it, this is a funny one. For some reason, I didn't get it, but it's ITV Live, the DJ Sessions. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, the DJ Sessions. If you go to the website, all okay. of our social links are there. Awesome. Um, we'd love to have you follow us on the Instas. If you're watching the show, send yeah. a hashtag out. I'll respond back. Oh, right on. Right on, man. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make sure that the listeners can connect with you and follow you, you know, in those areas as well, in the social mediums. Darren, man, it has been great having you on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation, man. Uh, it, thanks for coming on the show, man. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're going to go into a segment I like to call Three for the Road. And in Three for the Road, that's where I ask my guests three random yet thought-provoking questions that I challenge them to answer in five words or less. So what do you think, Darren? You think you'll be up for it? Let's get this started. All right. Okay. Here we go. Oh, and by the way, my questions are not cookie cutter questions. I don't ask the same questions to every guest. My <laughs> questions are customized based off, uh, based on the uh, guest expertise and background and specialty. All right. Awesome. So uh, here are your and, and, and now that you told me you're not a DJ, I'm sure you can still answer these. All right. So uh, here we go for three for the road. Question number one. How would you describe the art and skill of DJing? Picking cats to throw. Taking cats to throw. Picking, picking cats to throw. Basically, think of it like you're you're picking songs to throw at people to see what oh, their okay. audience reaction. I'm, I don't, gotcha. I'm just trying to be a little humorous with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Okay, all right, yeah, no, that's a that, uh, <laughs> that is a uh, vivid description. Um, <laughs> all right, question number two. How will the art of DJing look in the future? Meaning twenty years from now hmm. and five words or less right five words or less virtual augmented reality augmented reality live shows love it that's five right on the spot man <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it all makes sense all right, mm -hmm. topping us off with question number three for Three for the Road. Some people say certain music and food go well together. It says the food helps with the digestive system and everything. So um, name a meal that pairs well with, say, an electronica session. Darren Bruce's Awesome Home Cooking. <laughs> Darren Bruce's awesome home cooking. That's five words. Uh, I've been, I, I'm known as a pretty big foodie online. Like 50% oh, of my pictures on my Facebook are probably pictures of me making food. And when oh I my make gosh. food, I cook, I, I'm, I'm, I, I live by myself. 
when uh-huh. I cook food, I cook food for probably enough for six to 10 people. Really? Minimum. minimum. Like I will make tacos wow. tonight and I'll probably make enough stuff. It's just, I grew up, I'm Italian, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I just, I cook big. I can't cook, I can't cook a piece of chicken for dinner. I'll cook six pieces of chicken for dinner, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, I mean, looking at it from a meal prep standpoint, I'm going to have more food. But it, anyone that knows me, if they know me personally and they're listening to this or they went to my Facebook, they're like, this guy posts a lot of food pics. I'm a mm-hmm. huge foodie, love food. Um, oh, man. Lot. So awesome. my home cooking, I was just talking with somebody about the spaghetti I made last week. Uh-huh. And I, I go, yeah. And then looked, I go, it's my, I, this was a three meat sauce. I had uh, Italian sausage. I had hot sausage and I had uh Wagyu beef in it. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And then I, and then I, I think she, she was thinking that I, I said, and I make my sauce from scratch. And she goes, you make your sauce from scratch. I go, yeah, I'm not no raggy with household over here. I think it's ragu, especially if you want to come sponsor us. Please, I'm yeah. not trying to you know, say you're No, no, not trying to dish you. No, nope. not trying to dish you, but no, I make I got so the cans of tomato sauce go in, the tomato paste goes in, yep. the diced tomatoes go in, yep. all the ingredients get chopped up, onions, olives, mushrooms, bell peppers. Um, oh man, you're making me hungry. Jeez, yeah. Pete. Yeah. And then I usually simmer my sauce for you know a good two, two, three hours. Uh-huh. But you know, I just got I got a um a sous vide. Are you familiar with one of those? Did no. So, power. Mm-hmm. It's a, a power precision cooker. Basically, what you do with it is it heats up while you put it in a bucket of water. Think of it like a bucket of water, but like a pot of water. You mm-hmm. put a vacuum. You got a vacuum pack. What you're using, but you say you have a steak and it's vacuum packed. You put the mm-hmm. steak in. You set the device. Just say I want it to be exactly 145 degrees. Okay. It cooks that steak to perfectly 145 degrees. You open up the wow. package, you cut it up, you fry it, you just simply fry it on both sides really quick. You have yeah. a perfectly ready-made medium rare steak every time. Wow, that's beautiful, you man. You can't overdo it because it'll only let it get to 145 degrees. Before it stops. Gotcha. Before it stops. So I'm waiting to use that. I'm, I'm actually clearing out my fridge right now. I'm going to go to the grocery store and... uh and buy steaks, fish, chicken. I'm going over a whole new diet plan and start using my sous vide. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome, Darren. So uh, Darren Bruce, awesome meal with Electronica DJ session. Man, if we're able to get those two put together, uh, just put me on the next flight to Seattle for sure. <laughs> well, and that, that's one of the places, two of the places we do our shows, one on Saturdays is our brunch series at the Queen Anne Beer Hall phenomenal menu chef is just phenomenal there and then another place we do it at is um the east lake bar and grill here in seattle which Mm -hmm. is another phenomenal menu with a really beautiful view um pick two really good places with two really good menus and and uh i'm happy music and food that's kind of what i'm about yeah i mean no two pair better than music and food for sure no i agree man Man, Darren, it has been awesome having you on the show, man. I really appreciate our conversation. I appreciate the insights that you've uh, you've shared with the listeners, uh, as well as you know your struggles, your challenges, uh, and the great stuff that uh, the DJ sessions are doing. Man, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Aubrey. Oh, absolutely, and a big thanks to all of you for checking in and listening. Again, to learn more about Darren, check out the episode show notes where you will find all the links to his website, profile page, as well as 
his social medium handles, which can also be found on his website as well. Also, if you want to have the VIP uh, notifications of upcoming releases before the shows are released, as well as additional bonus footage, I recommend that you join the Road to Rediscovery emailing list. Just subscribe to the emailing list by visiting roadtorediscovery.com. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com. The Road to Rediscovery, it's part of a movement, part of a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. Together, we're roadies. It sure feels good having you on the journey. Thanks again for listening. Chat again soon. The Road to Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.